That's right. This is Rogue Three, my Rogue episodes here on Christ's Day Anakin. Things are off the beaten path, off of the normal track of episodes. Um, usually, if I want to clarify something or go more in depth in something in a recent episode, and as you can see in the title, it's going to be all about the word evangelical and the communities that take that are taken in by this term evangelical. I'm going to be able to talk also about liberal Protestant because in the last episode, I mean, I, I, I went into a few of these themes about what evangelicals tend to care about, namely how the church engages in the world, how Christians engage in the world, questioning the viability of institutions engaging in the world. Um, by the world, I mean secular society nowadays. Um, it didn't always mean that. People who believe other than Christians do. So I'll launch right into it. Got R2 here. Yes. <laughs> and I uh, got my water here. And then jump right into it. So, as, as I just said, the word evangelical gets thrown around a lot in the media, in uh, our, our, pop, our popular cultural understanding. And the fact is, it takes in a much larger group set of communities much larger meaning than I think people associate it with. And I'll go for that first one that people do tend to associate with. And then I, I use that for, I use that term briefly, um, conservative evangelicals in the United States. There are some in Canada. Um, people have, have taken that up to mean it's very political, uh, you know, Republican, almost individualist, very capitalist idea, often very white. Um, and and it, it's in a lot of ways now, especially now in the last two years, a straw man for what Christianity shouldn't be. Um, I think, I know, I'll talk about where, <clears throat> where that community particularly comes from. Very male, patriarchal dominated. And as I said, it, we see with support for Trump, we see the last gasp, last gasp of of the American empire, of the Amer American society being a quote-unquote Christian society, largely along the lines of, of evangelical Protestantism. Um, and I'm struggling, I was struggling with, not thinking about a parallel for a Star Wars parallel this is the impetus for doing this rogue episode because I thought of one when I, I listened to that episode again, episode twenty-seven, and uh, <laughs> thought, "Okay, what's this parallel?" I said the Rebel Alliance. Well, no, not so much the Rebel Alliance. You know, Christians kind of fighting in a war, but I said, "No, it's Mace Windu. Say Mace Windu," <laughs> because what we see with with Mace is a, an ease an ease with taking up his lightsaber with taking up violence for these very political means um, as a last gasp of the the place of the Jedi in the Republic. Um, and also what we do see and kind of questionably, but not so questionably in his case, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Well, 
in his case, um, that was true that Sidious did have this plot, but what you know, the, the the means for destroying the Jedi were their very fear of losing the place in the their place in the Republic, and so what that sounds like to me at least a little bit is the fear that a lot of these folks have that they're required to coexist in society as a whole with those of other faiths that other people have <laughs> rights and are not out to get them and out to destroy them and and that's timely especially just because uh trump just sent i, I saw the figure uh these nu- these weapons that costed around you know a couple 200 something million dollars uh take out what supposedly syrian chemical plant to make weapons even even at home and in canada that's a little more complicated because we're a lot more secularized i would say but in the u.s i mean when trump was elected they said open season on christians is over as if there could be open season on christians in the united states so there there is (laughs) this sense again of losing their political clout, uh, the clout of these massively, uh, massive multi-million dollar megachurches with this very emotional, emotive worship music and sermons, prosperity theology, a la Joel Osteen, um, basically feeding into, again, a very, a very capitalist conception of the Christian faith. And, you know, it, there are people who are affected by that personally there's a lot of fear um as you can tell i don't subscribe to that community i I have one friend who well uh questions whether or not they you know they really are orthodox christians in the classical sense uh i wouldn't go that far just because every i mean every form of Christianity faces its brush with syncretism. Every, that's the funny thing about the Jedi and Star Wars, right? Every form of Christianity has had its uh, place in society. Every form of Christianity has made its mark on society, but every society in which Christians have lived have made its mark on what Christianity is. And that's, that's the fundamental tension I try to, uh, or the question I try to address, I addressed in, in in my last episode is how do Star Wars and Black Panther tell us to, where do we go from here? Um, and we talked about engagement. And that's the funny thing. So this is a transition to... Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> You're my only help. Whenever that one comes up, that's always great. Because... Um, evangelicalism at its best and what that word means and also time for a water break so well last episode I finished with um, and a great a great example of what engagement looks like talked with the the pastor uh, the chaplain of the Humboldt Broncos hockey team and how he uh 
he had his faith on display, his genuine hope and belief that God is present amidst this suffering, and that he is free to cry and suffer even as a white man, to be fully just be fully human on national television. <laughs> and it was fantastic because it was real. You can't deny, you know, whatever you might think about the thought I had is whatever you might think about what Christians believe or how they've acted. I mean, you, you got to take take it seriously that this guy really believes what he's saying and feeling, um, and, and is doing so in, in a sober and mature way. And that's as far as dialogue partners with secular society what we at least want is we don't we can't handle the we can't stand the, the bill maher thing we don't have time for that we want people to at least we're willing to hopefully take atheists and agnostics and muslims and, and jews especially but and hindus and, and people of of all these other faiths seriously can you take us seriously too <laughs> and say we actually seriously believe these things um, that to quote Bill Maher scripture for us isn't simply some Jewish book of fairy tales and we're not deranged deluded uh, zombies eating opium <laughs> um, I mean some of us are some of us again there's a very uncritical unthinking emotive emotionalist strain here um, but that that's a parody of the way we actually hope to uh, express what's truly human about how we feel and what we desire and how we live. So evangelicalism as a term, I mean, in a way, evangelicals, you, you know, if there, if, if evangelicals would, uh, if any evangelical here, I personally don't consider myself one. I'm I'm a more, you know, mainstream Anglican, Anglo-Catholic. That's a whole other question. <laughs> but I have a lot of respect for for them. I went to an evangelical Anglican seminary that's booming in terms of both student body and uh, financial viability. It's one of the few really financially solid. Protestant seminaries in North America. Unfortunately, it's, we wish others did well, but we're doing something right. Wycliffe College, the U of T. Um, so if, if they were here, they'd rightly say that um, the first evangelicals were Mary Magdalene and St. Peter and uh, St. Paul especially because what they did was preach the gospel because the word evangel, evangel, Greek for good news, the good message, the good message that Caesar and the dominions of the world, they are not king, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of Israel, the God of Israel who has come to save the world in his life, death, and resurrection. Take the Son of God taking on human flesh, being the offering for sin, 
raising us to new life and carrying us to heaven with the Father, to to God the Father. And so that is the gospel in one sentence. Um, To be evangelical, then, is to say that and (laughs) announce that right from and that and of course that's what christians have done right from the start um and so time for another water break and so what's interesting there is maybe this is a bit of a digression thanks a bit of a digression but we we've have we you've heard may have heard the phrase preach the gospel if necessary use words and I get where that comes from. Where that comes from is it isn't <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Got that in my system. It isn't simply that um, a, a a abstract propositions that we communicate with words um, are enough. There's gotta be more got to be specifically the way we live and what we care about and how we treat people and we care for creation and all that communicates who God is and what God has done in Christ. Right. <laughs> um, that's basically, I'll tell you, authentic evangelicalism, that's that's a given. Um, you ask any any priest, any pastor who claims to be even evangelical, uh, except again, I mean, this is the sad thing about Franklin Graham. You ask his father, Billy, <laughs> who was one of the few televangelists and really famous, well-known people to not at all let it get to their head. Yes, he was human. Yes, he made mistakes along the way. But by and large, he lived with integrity. He tried to stay away from the partisan political fray. He uh, did not abuse his power and authority to sleep with women or men or whoever, (laughs) you know, um, to put them in vulnerable situations. He was faithful to his wife and, I mean, accountable to others for the health of his marriage and for the health of his own self um, he, yeah, you know, the, his organizations were always audited by independent financial auditors and they were clean. There were no kind of side deals. I don't know. I mean, as much as he could control and he had responsibility for. And that's why, you know, that's why, one of the reasons why he was so compelling. That's why when Franklin Graham supporting Trump who, on all those accounts of personal integrity and financial integrity, uh, falls completely short and doesn't even try. Um, and so Franklin Graham himself says, well, we can make a distinction between what we believe and how we act. No, that's, I, uh, I hate to be, I'm going to be as harsh as this and say, you're tarnishing your, your late father's legacy. Um, and because the, the core of evangelicalism, sure, is, how we live as people in the world uh, reflects the good news of Jesus Christ. That's a given. The 
sentence I sent about uh, the Son of God took on human nature and was the offering for sin, rose us to new life, and goes carries us to the Father. That is a sentence I just used with English words, and it specifically lays out the particular truth that we as Christians believe orders the universe and orders human existence is a specific thing that Jesus, this person, God, this person has done. We pray to this person. We read the, you know, scripture that yes, we're cognizant that it is a collection of stories and letters and has different genres and different voices and intentions, but altogether comes to this point of, at least that's our belief, uh, of this, this sentence and these sentences we say in the creeds. So words are necessary <laughs> as well. Um, it's not just about being good. That's the thing is Protestantism at its, at its start, at its beginning, was very clear. Luther was very clear. It's not just about being good because we can't actually be good on our own. It's about who God is and what he's done. And so I raised the Reformation because where the word evangelicalism and that use of the word evangelical, it really comes into play at the Reformation. In fact, what's interesting is at that time, it basically meant Protestant. And in German, even today, the uh, Evangelische means Protestant. It doesn't mean specifically conservative, uh, personal salvation emotive. That's what, what we tend to understand in English is also the emphasis on how I as a person come to God and live my life and receive his ability. And that's important. That That's something... Catholics generally agree with, but maybe not emphasize fully. Evangelicals are starting to understand and corporately. Anyway, I'm digressing here. But what's interesting is the the in Germany the Evangelische Kirche von Deutschland is the main Protestant church. The Evangelical Church in, of Germany is the main Protestant church um, that you know, has Lutherans and has Reformed and has others. It, it's a mainline church. What we see, for example, in North America, their their partners, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, those are actually not really very evangelical. <laughs> They're actually more the term liberal Protestant. Um, and so... And I mentioned that, and briefly, liberal Protestantism, that's also changing. They do tend to emphasize peace and social justice more. Um, the, the liberal comes in in that they, they are far more open to things like same-sex marriage and um, cohabitation and just on the sexual ethics, at least. <laughs> but in a lot of things, right? I mean, they're more willing to... Um, you know, not let not have the church say be in the bedrooms of the nation, even 
And, and that's not entirely true. I mean, they might have a positive theological account of same-sex marriage or, uh, you know, even of cohabitation and contraception. Uh, <coughs> and But politically, they may have a very strong theological account for social justice and environmental sustainability. And um, they, they're more indebted nowadays to what's known as what was known then as the social gospel, known kind of in the 20s, 30s, around there. Um, and so my own church, the Anglican Church of Canada, the Episcopal Church of the United States, both Lutheran churches in North America, uh, the main Lutheran churches, the majority are, majority of them are mainstream liberal Protestant. Um, doesn't mean they've given up on the gospel by and large. <laughs> uh, I think that's, that's a polemic um, they just tend to believe that there are specific priorities. They actually, I mean, liberal Anglicanism, frankly, has more in common with liberal Catholicism, which is still very much rooted in the authority of bishops and uh, the power of the sacraments in the life of the church. And, and they haven't given up on that. They just also say, okay, what's the role for lay people? What's the role for women? Right. I mean, gender equality is something that liberal Catholics, liberal Protestants, there's liberal evangelicals across the board. Um, so that's liberal Protestant. Um, in the 19th century, uh, so I'll take a little, another water break with her too. So... Talking about Anglicanism, I talked about evangelical Anglicanism and how I attended Wycliffe College and very much uh, love that family. It, it, it is a family, that place. You never think a college could be an extended family, but it is. Um, and at its heart is evangelical Anglicanism. Now, evangelical Anglicanism uh, looks at southern uh, not just southern but the the type of evangelicalism that has emerged in the u.s and says well <clears throat> there are things we have in common because we have a we have a relative here but it is distinct so um what what i guess i can call free church protestant evangelicalism so that's Baptists, that's also, that is Pentecostals to some degree. Um, you know, the the Christian Missionary Alliance. And yeah, <clears throat> all these types of Baptists, especially. You know, uh, even Mennonite Brethren, some in some ways fall into that. InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, if you're familiar with that. Um, the, the emphasis primarily on personal salvation. And, you know, their church structures are very much congregationalist, meaning the main authority is vested in the congregation, the parish itself. And then, and they're organized, they're affiliated in denominations as opposed to churches. Denominations being affiliations of, of churches like, again, like Baptists and Pentecostals and whatnot that do have some central authority, but it's delegated upwards from the congregations. Um, and the reason for that is the main purpose is 
the pastor, the, the, the main, the, the central focal point of one of these church services is the pastor preaching a 45 to an hour minute, hour sermon, uh, 45 minute to an hour sermon on squarely on scripture, usually on Pauline epistles, frankly, but not necessarily. Um, and where that comes from, it does have an Anglican root. It is, uh, comes from, you know, this fellow named John, these guys named John and Charles Wesley, who so were in the Church of England, and they wanted to emphasize more this personal way of life, personal method. And so here's a denomination that came out of that called the Methodists. And because John Wesley wasn't too sure, it was well, no, he was sure. He did not like bishops. Charles was a bit more iffy. He was like, John Wesley was actually kicked out of the Church of England and um, uh, formed this Methodist denomination, uh, developed into what's called pietism. Pietism being, again, your personal piety that connected with, went across the pond and connected with what had already been the Puritans. The Puritans who had been very much uh, called the evangelicals over and against the the established high church party in England. Uh, they had set up their independent communities in Massachusetts and in other parts of the United States. Um, so from pietism then came the Great Awakening and all these big tent revivals. Again, you, in, in the model that Billy Graham picked up, right? And all these preachers picked up. You go to a place, you have, you gather a large crowd, you preach a very emotional, but by emotional, I don't necessarily mean untruthful, just very emotional message. Are you going to dedicate your life to Christ? Um, the Messianic Judaism that I grew up in was actually very evangelical in that sense. It was just targeted. Jews, are you going to dedicate your life to the Messiah of Israel? That's a whole other complicated discussion that I won't get into. Um, but, you know, from there, the Great Awakening, and one of those great revivals was the Azusa Street Revival, uh, where Pentecostalism and Charismatics come from. Um, in and, and so that spread all throughout, especially South and Western North America, uh, the prairies, as we could see, are, are very, as we saw in that vigil, are very evangelical, with some exceptions like in, in the big cities, uh, like, like Edmonton and Vancouver. Uh, well, Vancouver isn't part of the prairies, but, um, but even Anglicans in Edmonton, even Christians in Edmonton, I should say, are either liberal Protestants or or Protestants in Edmonton are either are mixed. Sorry, that's what I meant. I'm trying to get to there is, um, you know, there are liberal Anglicans, there are United Church, but there's the Christian Missionary Alliance is a massive denomination out west, and the biggest church in Edmonton uh, is a missionary, a Christian Missionary Alliance church that is is an evangelical mega church. And all that to say is, and again, the pastor of the, and the chaplain of, of the humble Broncos, an evangelical, who says, how I live my life 
this is this is this is really what I believe and feel. Um, not that you know, say if the if the Anglican priest that was them seeing the vigil, uh, <laughs> if, if he uh, came out and shared his feelings, he might not have said anything different. I don't know, um, but all that to say, and this is again my overall point is evangelicalism is a huge tent. And I haven't gotten to I think I began the last episode with. Um, <clears throat> so there are last episode with last break here. R2 doesn't want me to end, but I gotta end soon. It's only a rogue episode. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I began by talking about Father Esau Macaulay and how, uh, you know, the, and, and beyond that episode, beyond this episode, first of all, by saying it takes in this large swath. There are evangelicals, a vast number of evangelicals who are appalled at what's happening in the south of the U.S. and in, with Franklin Graham and with Jerry Falwell and all those guys. Um, completely appalled that the term evangelical is even being used in this context, in that way. Even if they're social conservatives, they see this as a, a running its name through the mud. Um, and then there's the African-American experience, which I'll admit I'm not too well-versed on, familiar with, but what I do know is um, the African Methodist Episcopal Church and the British Methodist Episcopal Church in Canada, um, again, grew out of the Methodist movement. There were slaves and freed slaves and um, the black population generally what you see with you know I mean what you see generally is is an evangelical form of Christianity right it's just very particularly culturally conditioned form that has by necessity had this very important critical political implication of emancipation and then uh, you know <laughs> equal rights and uh, you know even you know the the equal rights of, oh, not the equal rights of, um, you know the the right to vote in six, 1964 and you know the vast majority of people with Martin Luther King and then um, you know all these communities where that comes from is the belief in the saving power of Jesus Christ <laughs> and how uh, the way we live, where we live as a society, this is this gets back to the episode before, right? The way we engage society as a whole communicates who God is and what God has done, right? Um, so that's the end with the the powerful example of Nakia and the powerful example of Ray. Right? I come back to that and say, um, these are real suffering, real situations of suffering on the ground. And we don't have all the answers, but we know that part of the, part of the challenge is economics and part of the challenge is jurisprudence and uh, rigged jurisprudence and neglect of communities and shoving people into projects and 
um, yeah, all, all these social problems that we can advocate for and go to Ottawa and Washington and provincial and state capitals and advocate for, uh, we can, uh, you know, participate in NGOs and uh, food banks and all these things. Uh, but also to sit down next to people, meet people where they're at, both as pastors and social workers, sure, but also as humans, as people who may have a, a sense of what the gospel is about. And not in a manipulative way, because it's not proselytism, not in a way of if you join us, then we will provide you with economic sustenance. That's horribly manipulative. But to say, uh, the, the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ can and will transform your life. And in way, and will help you see both the suffering of your own life and the suffering of the world and help you see his goodness and love in it and through it and presence in it. Um, so, again, evangelicalism at its best constitutes engagement for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the people present in the world. So that's Rogue 3 of For Christ Take Anakin. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, uh, I will have an episode again on Thursday, or sorry, on Tuesday. I'm your host, Matthew Nugebauer, coming to you live to air from what's now very snowy and slushy, of course, April, Friday, April 14th here in suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Thanks, as always, for listening. May the Force be with you. God bless.